Hello! Welcome to Attitudes of Sexual Integrity. This is Russ Shaw. This is episode 35. Thanks for downloading the podcast today. Uh, last week's show, got a lot of email about last week's show. We did a kind of an intense type of show in the last week talking about sexual abuse. And just wanted to, uh, you know, let you guys know that I'm reading those emails and I, and I understand and, and I, I do have a guest on the show today to talk about some of this. Um, a lot of the stuff I've been working through was the fact that, you know, I didn't exactly sign up for what happened to me when I was probably shamed into the fact that I thought I did. Um, Larry Fish is a guy that goes to our church, AC3, and uh, very good to have Larry on the show. Welcome, Larry. Thanks. I'm pleased to be with you, Russ. Larry, uh, tell the listeners what, what it is you were. You just retired from uh, the state of Washington. and what, what did you do for the state, Larry? Well, I uh, closed out my career the last five years. I served as the sex offender treatment coordinator for Juvenile Rehabilitation Administration in Region 3, which is a five-county region. And I guess I need to say at the outset, Russ, that uh, I am neither formally or informally representing JRA, but a uh, uh, considerable portion of my experience of the 19 years working with juvenile sex offenders uh, came with uh, JRA. Right. And you uh, you deal, dealt with perps, right? I dealt with juvenile offenders, uh, kids that ranged in the age of uh, 12 to uh, up to uh, the age of 21. And, and I was wondering, how much is pornography play into some of these uh, these actions? I mean, because these are, are heinous crimes being committed by children, aren't they, Larry? Um, actually, it can play a vital role, but it's, uh, it's not a given with each particular offender, Russ. Um, the, the problem with uh, pornography is that it, it leads the youth to basically objectify a person and look at them only as sexual parts or parts of sexual interest. And they lose fact, and it's part of what sort of gives them the right of crossing over and doing some of the heinous things that they do, uh, simply because that they're so motivated for the sexual parts that they forget that they're dealing with a real person with real feelings, with hopes and dreams and aspirations. And uh, so uh, you will find that most treatment providers uh, dealing in uh, with uh, sexual abusers are vitally against the use of pornography, whether it's on the Internet, whether it's uh, magazines that can be bought over the counter, uh, any forms of pornography, simply because it leads to that, uh, that sort of uh, thinking error that a uh, person is nothing more than their sexual parts when clearly they're much, much more than that. Right. They're not just a uh, product to be consumed so to speak. So it seems like society is getting too close to that, looking at, at women especially, as just a, an object, a product to be bought over the counter and consumed. Exactly. Um, also, one of the things that we were talking about uh, earlier was uh, th- this role that, that was played with me. Um, my perp uh, was, was a kid in the neighborhood who a lot of kids looked up to. You know, he was a kid who, and he was a lot older than I was. He was in his teens, and um, he, you know, he, he he commanded respect, I guess, from for some of the other kids in the neighborhood. And one of the things with him is that you know he didn't threaten to kill my puppy or anything like that. I mean, he he actually got inside my my brain and my heart a little bit and said, you know, if, if anybody finds out about this, you know, they're not going to love you. 
you're, you're damaged, you know. I mean, he pretty much had me convinced of this. And, that, and I drugged that around through, you know, all the way up in my adult life. I think uh, there's, there's many approaches that people will make, uh, that offenders will make, uh, in trying to sort of cover their tracks. Uh, clearly, every offender knows that what they're doing is wrong. Uh, and uh, I frequently, when I was working as a direct treatment provider, would uh, ask kids, what lies did you tell to yourself that allowed you to do what you knew in the first place was wrong? And it's part of the rehabilitative process in terms of if they can understand the thinking errors that they made and they start to have these kinds of thoughts, then they can block those thoughts uh, using uh, thought-blocking techniques right. to stop going down that trail, which makes them considerably safer. Uh, it's... Uh, it's real concerning. Normally, in an offender-victim relationship, uh, the offender typically is much older, usually much larger, if not larger, much more intelligent or sophisticated. Right. And they use a number of manipulative techniques to gain access to and to gratify their sexual urges. <clears throat> uh, it is not uncommon for kids to threaten the life of the victim, to threaten the life of the families, right. uh, to threaten uh, a favored uh, pet or animal in the family, if they tell, that's really quite common, uh, simply because these kids do know what they're doing is wrong, right. although they'll come up with all kinds of forms of minimization, denial, and, uh, and thinking errors to sort of justify their behavior. Well, he didn't, he didn't say our, it didn't really hurt him, so it didn't really hurt him. Uh, and that, of course, completely discounts the psychological impact or the emotional impact on the victim. So there are all sorts of thinking errors that uh, offenders will come up with to try and justify uh, their deviant uh, sexual behavior. Right. And, uh, yeah, I like what you said about emotional. You know, if it's not hurting physically, then what's wrong with it? I mean, wh where does it draw the line, Larry, between, you know, just this maybe innocent, I'll show me yours, you show me mine, you know, that some kids get into, and, you know, going into deviant sexual behavior. One of the things that the law clearly addresses is the age difference. Right. If it's uh, two eight-year-old boys and they're saying, I'll show you mine if you'll show me yours, and there isn't really much in the way of actual physical contact, uh, that's probably not really deemed to be highly deviant behavior. Uh, it's kind of uh, exploratory, investigative, uh, curiosity and that sort of thing. But the law is really pretty emphatic about age difference. And uh, as the ages get older, so when you get to be <coughs> 16 or so, then you know, anything that consumes a four-year age difference typically will constitute a, um, a sexual crime. Right. And that's where the law will step in and say, wow, you stepped way over the line. There's nothing that was exploratory, investigative, or whatever about this. You're a much bigger kid. Sometimes the youth, uh, the offender, will be in a position of power. For example, babysitting typically is uh, is a venue that uh, frequently lead to sexual abuse. Uh, parents, uh, well-meaning parents, will say to their kids, "Okay, well, you kids be good and do what the babysitter says," and then the uh, parents go off to finally enjoy a, a nice evening together. And basically, they've given the babysitter carte blanche. Right. Kids really need to know and understand clearly that they have the right of refusal. It's okay for them to tell someone no if they're being 
touched in a way that's discomforting to them, uh, or if they're even being talked to in a way that's discomforting or embarrassing to them. Say, no, don't talk to me like that. Right. Um, so part of, part of the educational process is to give kids the right to say no. You know, grandma, grandpa, aunt, uncle, uh, whatever comes over to visit, and, and typically mom and dad say, well, go give grandpa and grandma a kiss. And if the kid doesn't want to, he really has the right of refusal. Exactly. Uh, you need to understand that many perpetrators not only are known to the victim, but are related to the victim. Right. And uh, In most cases, isn't it? Yeah, actually, it is in most cases. There are very few uh, stranger molestations or rapes that are actually committed. That's what we see on the TV, but by and large, statistics clearly show way and afar, uh, the majority of victims know the perpetrator. Right. And have a relationship with the perpetrator. And, and that's why I'm so glad to, to have you on the show, Larry, because... Um, you know, it's not just uh, the people who may have been uh, harmed by um, a predator or a perpetrator in the past, but also, uh, as this is being recorded, it is June of 2006, and it is summertime. A lot of kids are getting out of school right now, and, uh, you know, I like what you're saying about the whole sex talk is, is not just a sex talk to talk about the birds and the bees. I think what you're saying, Larry, is, is we need to be, as parents, we need to be, have our eyes open, you know, to our, to our kids' emotions, uh, their curiosities, who, is, who, can they, who can they trust, that kind of thing, right, Larry? That's absolutely true, Russ. It's something as simple as taking your kid to a community pool seems innocent enough, and frequently parents will stay there. And what they particularly pay attention to is make sure that their kid doesn't drown. Right. What they should also pay attention to is contact between any other kids in the pool and their child. Uh, frittage is a very... Uh, uh, common occurrence uh, where kids are not fully clothed, and that is simply rubbing up against someone, even a complete stranger, for sexual gratification. And we don't want to think that our kids could be subjected to that, but we simply need to uh, maintain a certain vigilance for that kind of behavior. Uh, we've had cases where a kid had committed frottage against 17 other kids in a community swimming pool in a single day. So it's something that, I, and I'm not trying to put uh, a great deal of fear, I'm just saying remain vigilant, right. pay attention, and uh, sort of uh, be on guard. You don't have to be paranoid, you just have to pay attention. Right, and keep your eyes open and ears open to, you know, how your kids are feeling and, and what they're doing and whose friend's house that they're at. I think even talking with your kids about pornography. I've had a, a talk with my son. He's 11, you know, sad that I had to do that. But, I, you know, I had to have a talk with him about pornography and how, you know, that is not acceptable. You know, that is, like you said, looking at someone as an object. Well, and clearly there has been an exponential, excuse me for interrupting, Russ, but there's been an exponential explosion of the availability of pornography to children. And, of course, that comes primarily through the Internet. Right. It is astounding, and you can see now television programs dedicated repeatedly to catching adult perpetrators soliciting kids for sex online. Right. I frequently recommend to parents that they put the family computer, and if they're going to let their child use the computer, put the family computer 
in a location in the house where it's easily observable by anyone. Right, which at any prevents time. any kind of secrecy, prevents any kind of hidden conversations, that sort of thing. So your kid knows that he's being observed. Right. And that he's not going to be tempted to go do or explore uh, sexual issues on the Internet. That isn't where we want our kids learning about sex anyhow. We want them to be learning from their parents. That's right. And that's the thing, you know, it's kind of almost cliche, but, uh, you know, if we're not talking to our kids about sex, somebody else is or will. That's for sure, Russ. And being, you know, like you said, having your eyes wide open and, and making sure we know. And, and having that, that conversation, being able to, you know, if analyze our kids and see if our kids can even bring that up. Can they even talk about that kind of stuff? I remember I was on the way uh, taking my son to a Little League game, and, and he said to me, he said, Dad, he said, you know, he said, I know I'm not allowed to watch rated R movies, he says, but when the people in the rated R movies, um, when they're supposed to be doing it, he says, do they really do it? <laughs> and I told him, well, no, you know, not in most cases. But And I also, after, you know, I explained to him what, what goes on in those movies and stuff like that. But I also said, you know what, buddy, I'm so glad you asked me that. I said, don't be afraid to ask me those types of questions because, you know, it is, it's important that you get that stuff answered. And it is very important that, you know, 10, 11, 8, 9-year-olds get that stuff questioned, isn't it, Larry? It really is, Russ, and, you, and you're modeling really positive behavior and effective communication with your child because without judgment, uh, you can answer his questions honestly, fairly, and directly and give him truthful answers rather than answers that may have some hidden agenda. Right. And uh, it's true for all parents. I, I'm uh, 64, going to be 64 next month here, and uh, uh, none of my parents ever talked to me anything about SEX. It, right. uh, it was the forbidden topic. You just didn't talk about it in those days. Right. And uh, I think there is still a great deal of reluctance and some embarrassment, uh, some uh, trepidation by parents to sit down and honestly have sexual discussions with their kids. Right. One of the things that I would like to share with you briefly about JRA is they are now doing uh, sex offender treatment in the family setting. We are sitting down with mom, dad, and the offender and talking openly about sexual uh, topics, everything from uh, masturbation practices, frequency, uh, pornography, anything that serves as a trigger for that particular youth to head him in a deviant direction. And uh, it, in a sense, we're kind of being sort of substitute parents because if parents had talked with kids about these sorts of things, then the kid probably wouldn't have gone off in a deviant direction. Right. Uh, so it's really, really healthy and helpful to be open and candid and honest. If your child is really, really young, then simply answer the question. But if they're asking for more information, share that information with them uh, openly. Right. And don't don't let them feel ashamed. I mean, sometimes... Oh, there is uh, no shame in it. Yeah, there shouldn't be. I remember my, my grandmother, if I would have brought up a question like my, my son brought up to me, I would have been met with, what brought that on? You know, why would you ask such a question? I mean, that, that's how I would be. Yeah. I would be afraid of that kind of a response. response and, and, yeah. and we don't, you know, we shouldn't... Where Our kids thanked, should never fear it. Yeah, you thanked your son, Russ, and said, gosh, I'm really glad you brought that up. Right. And if you have anything else that you want to ask about, well, I'll always remember, you can come and talk to Dad about it or Mom about it. 
That's right. And uh, typically girls are more inclined to talk with mom than with dad. Boys are more inclined to talk with dad than, than with mom. But uh, a wholesome and open and honest uh, uh, candor by both parents uh, will serve the children very, very well for years and years and years. I like what you said also about not calling it some kind of a pet name. You know, let's call a penis a penis and a vagina a vagina. Uh, and that is important, isn't it, Larry? Well, I've, I've had the good fortune to make many public presentations with the wonderful folks that, that work with victims at the Providence uh, Sexual Assault Center here in Everett. And uh, they have many wonderful tips. So if this is a, an area for your listeners or readers to that, that they're feeling uncomfortable or unsure, they not only have literature, but they literally have classes. Right. And uh, uh, one of the examples that they have given many times as an illustration is a little first-grade girl went to school and said to her first-grade teacher, Daddy's playing with my butterfly. And the teacher says, oh, well, that's nice. A week later, the little girl comes back and repeats it, Dad's playing with my butterfly. Well, six weeks into this, they finally figure out that butterfly means vagina. And if we give pet names to body parts, uh, it's much easier for a perpetrator to sort of cover their tracks about right. what it is they're doing. And so that's why I agree with you completely. A penis is a penis. A vagina is a vagina. Breasts are breasts. Right. And when we describe them in a calm and non-emotional manner, that those are the appropriate names for the parts, kids get comfortable with that and they feel at ease using those terms and then if they were ever to experience any form of uh, molestation or sexual assault they can identify clearly what happened right that's right you know when they know what 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 their parts are called and that is so important larry i thank you for being on asi uh again a big thanks to to larry fish and providence uh i'm going to get in contact with these folks and see if I can have them on the show as well. They're wonderful. Uh, they do a wonderful job for victims. Right. And that's that's awesome because, uh, you know, there's a lot of it going on out there. It was a pleasure to be with you, Russ. Thanks so much. Thanks again, Larry. That was Larry Fish. I want to thank Larry again for being on the show. Uh, also had a couple of announcements. I wanted to uh, let everybody know that higher calling... Uh, higher-calling.com is the website. It's a uh, message board type of a site where you can you know, start to get some of this stuff out of you that might be eating away at your spirit and your heart and talk with some other folks who are like-minded. wanted to, to let you guys know that that's out there if you're not in a face-to-face group, which I think you should be in. Sooner or later, you should get to that point. But if you're not, I think a great place to start is uh, websites like hire-calling.com. Um, John also told me about a few more that he's got going on. Teensagainstporn.com is another one for teens only that are dealing with this stuff. Partners for Purity is another one that uh, John has got up, and it is for... Those who may be offended, if your wife, if you're the wife of a porn addict or husband of a sex addict, this is a place where you can go to help heal some of those wounds. And uh, I wanted to thank John for sending those in. Some more great resources out there. Um, 
wanted to talk about some email I got dealing with episode 34 and, and I wanted to thank all of you for for you know the encouraging words emails that were sent in and I also want to thank some of you who haven't written me uh, I had a listener emailed me anonymously who said that there is a lot of people who are listening to my voice right now who may never contact me have never emailed a show maybe never called a talk radio show much less emailed one especially dealing with a subject which is so intimate and personal uh, and I wanted to uh, let you all know that you know I of course I encourage you to send me email and to you know get to talking get to connecting but if you never send me an email I want you to understand that I uh, my heart is with you I may never hear your words, see your words on a screen. I may never meet you in this life, but I believe I'll meet you in the next. And I want you to know, and I want you to be encouraged, and, and I'm, I'm here for you. And if there's anything you want to write to me, I will never... I just want you to know that I'm a safe place. Because that's what I needed, recovering from this stuff, is a safe place where the shame is on the floor, the shame is on the ground, and it's not, you know, I'm never going to, to shame you. That's not the way I do things. That's not what this show is about. This show is about healing our wounds, about changing our behavioral patterns. And I believe that if I can do it, you can do it. I'm a mess. You know, I'm a disaster. I not, you know, I'm not totally out of the clear on this thing. I'm, I'm coming up to celebrating a year without masturbation. That will be in October. But, you know, there's just stuff about me that, that I'm working on. And I want you guys to know that. So, I wanted to thank, uh, thank another uh, listener that emailed in about shame and, and healing from this stuff. And, you know, it, it is such a heart level wound it scratches to the essence of who we are you know how do you heal from that well you got to get down in there and and dig it out and it's going to take work and it's going to take tears there's lots of resources out there there's lots of folks out there for you there's lots of great counselors out there there's lots of bad counselors out there too so be discerning and ask around i think is important so, Russ at DigitalAudioProject.com. Let me know if this is making sense. Please send me an email. DigitalAudioProject.com slash ASI is the website. Until next week, 